Welcome to the Spicy PL Podcast. Welcome back to the Spicy PL Podcast. This is episode 58. This is Big Babble here with Big Joe Capolino and our very special guest, Mr. Scott Dobbins. What's going on, boys? At this point, he's not really a special guest. He's He's like like a co-contributor. He's a co-host. Yeah. A little bit. You know, he's a he's a regular. He's a he's a frequent he's a frequent pod. Yeah. Pod guest. That's right. When when things happen, especially in the IPF, we need you here. But anyway, uh quick uh shout out to our title sponsor, Quest Athletics and Nutrition. I think you guys know by now. Um Spicy twenty twenty one will get you five percent off supplements and uh, cap CAPP 2021 will get you 10% off the stack of nitrous BCAA extreme and hardcore. Me and Scott just drank our hardcore while we were chatting it up. Uh, I'm still and, uh, it. also surprisingly, I did something that I was supposed to do and I sent the nitrous out to the contest winners. So oh, nice. those are in the mail actually, which is, you know, surprisingly, I didn't wait six months to do it. You know, I just realized something. Have we ever gone on record about the hardcore warning? No. What warning? About the warning. Like, how to fix it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I've talked about how I blew it. There's still hardcore on Luis's, like, 60-inch TV and on the ceiling. And I think we blew it all over the the kitchen ceiling a couple times. Yeah. What's your technique? People are are getting it. So you got to be careful. What's your technique? You just got to burp it like a baby. You gotta you gotta shake it and then burp it real quick. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't, my my college uh, kitchen ceiling is just orange and sticky shit. I've been mixing it with a spoon in a glass lately, Alex, with ice. That's good. It's the safest way to go. Or you know, I do burp it. No, I do burp it usually. Yeah. It's, it. I take my shaker bottle, and you know how you can kind of hold the the little spout cover with just your finger without popping it all the way but you can apply just the right amount of pressure to keep a seal but not have it fully snapped in and so i shake it like that and then i just i just let it you know yeah. air valve release we you just know? saved a lot release <laughs> yeah yeah if you don't if you just pop that thing closed shake it you're fucked you got a time bomb it's a time bomb it's a time bomb yeah it's gonna hit also, your ceiling um we didn't have the, the all the information on the uh, Titan belt when we reviewed it last mm-hmm. time. So actually, I just wanted to update that that is selling for 209 I told you, they probably just beat them by a little, by, by a, a cunt hair. Yeah, and if you're looking for it uh, in the, um, you know, the vast amount of belts that are available on the Titan website, it's called the multi-adjustable lever. Mm-hmm. That's the official name of it, multi-adjustable lever, two oh nine. So, which oh, I nice. think is pretty good. And, and that, uh, is that yeah, with the Brahma leather? Is that the Brahma leather, the oiled leather? It is. Yes, oh. the Brahma suede multi-adjustable lever belt. So it's not leather. Yeah, I don't know. I got a polished leather one and suede on the inside. Um, this one, 
The one on the site is the Brahma suede multi-adjustable. I'm sure you can call and see yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you can get the um, upgrade to the polished leather. That thing's always on. They will do whatever you want. They will do whatever you want. So, Yeah, like they'll, they'll go out to a market and wrap it in stingray skin if you want that. Yeah. yeah, but right now on the website, what's available is the uh, 13 millimeter Brahma suede. You can get it in any color. Well, let's see. There are a lot of colors, actually. There's yeah. like 20 colors you can get here. Yeah, this, and, uh, this is the one that they gave to Sean, right? It's the same thing or no? They gave one to Sean. Is it, did it have the multi thing? Sean has. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway I just uh, wanted to give that update as well since we were, we had it so early. I think I couldn't find it on the website last time we did it. So, and that is the price. So try it out if you're in the market for a belt. Or if not, buy some oh. hardcore. Yeah. D- buy some hardcore always. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we call this pod because. We, we like basically can that last pod. I think we recorded it on what, like a Friday night. And then, and then the whole mass, you know, Joe was talking shit about the French lifters. And then all of a sudden the next day we see the news of this fucking hijinks, this French, (laughs) these sneaky Frenchmen (laughs) pulling hijinks at world. Sneaky man. Yeah. So we record on Friday night and you know, like, master raw worlds had already started and i just i just said something to the effect of like i just don't like the french team i just don't I just don't like their vibe and the next day you know the next day is the showdown number one and number two was this which we talked about number two was this guy male lapavin this m1 83 lifter which is, you know, a pretty competitive class. Like M1 is still, those guys are still young. They're strong. And especially 83, decent amount of guys in the class. And uh, just my DMs were blowing up before there were any posts, like from Italian people and people at Worlds or and Norwegians. You wouldn't believe this. Can you believe this? This guy was wearing squats. This guy was wearing a bench shirt. This guy was wearing a slingshot. So I'm like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Right? So this guy was in the lead. He was a number one nominated lifter. And then he was in the lead after squat and bench, but he got DQ'd. And these videos came out of him, like kind of weirdly approaching the bench, running up and running down. Even the commentator was like, oh, this guy is consistently late to the platform. Oh, it looks like he hurt his wrist. He's holding his arms. He's like scampering uh, off like this, like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) running, running up and, you know, in and out. And also in the squat, you know, the commentator was, was, you know, pointing out how, oh, like searching for depths or something like, or it's a really like kind of <laughs> quad weird dominant quad dominant squat. It was just weird. And so you see this video, so I'm like, I immediately knew wh- when the guy was running in and out, he had something under his shirt. Then someone sent me a picture. They, they confiscated his gear bag. It was just an orange like band that was taped like in the you know figure eight style kind of like a not actually a slingshot but it the reason how mark bell came up with the slingshot is like in 2006 at the old super training gym this guy used to do overload sets with a band 
like figure eighted around his arms and chest. And it used to give you like carryover to overload or like if your shoulders hurt or whatever. And so Mark Bell like, was like, oh, wow, that's like fucking genius and, and invented the slingshot. Um, so this guy basically was doing that. And then if you really look at the video close, you can see the band kind of stretching across his like, you know, shoulder pectoral area. And obviously he's running in and out, but when he, when he's laying on the bench, you can see, and people are really shocked. Cause the guy, you know, he's 41 years old and 83 weight class. He was only benching like 300, you like know, one, three, 140 or 150. Like yeah. It wasn't a lot. So it, it, it was tough. And then the funniest part, which I, this is the part I was dying was the video that I got this video, but then it was posted like an Italian coach chasing the guy around the Ilico headquarters because back alley (laughs) so I've actually been to Ilico headquarters and I recognize the building in the background I'm thinking that you know they were in like the training area competition area and which I've been in so I've been to this venue before and it's one building so I think what he did was run out a back door and then run around the other side of the building go back in the front door and try to go to like the locker room but I think that's where they got him. But it was a hilarious video because it was just like, come on, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is crazy. Hey. Like, why are you running? Why are you running? Yeah, it was classic, dude. So it was just a hilarious day. The guy obviously got DQ'd, but, you know, people are saying this guy, his numbers are still the same. So they're saying this guy must have been doing this for a long time and getting away with it. And uh, bands, I can't imagine that giving you more than like five kilos, man. Like it had to be like way up in his shoulder. Yeah. It was not like it was by his elbows. And if he's wearing briefs. The squat looked weird. I'd never people were saying he was wearing wraps on Did they find did I they mean. find any evidence of any of that shit? Because the, the 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 way that we were talking about it, we had there was one post, I think it was um like a Russian Russian guy, right? Who posted Yeah, Dimitri. Dimitri, yeah. He he posted about it and we that was the the main post that was getting shared around that had the video of his you know, two squat, like two squats and two benches or something. And so, like, I mean, like there's a lot of question about the squat, but I'm not sure if they actually found anything on the squat. Yeah. But. There was a picture of like the gear bag. And the thing that stuck out was the orange band that was taped in the yeah. middle. But like, I think he had a squat suit on. I might've been a, a like a kind of like, I don't want to say like Econo suit, like a Z suit or something thin. But yeah. the way he was squatting with his knee forward is indicative of how someone squats in a suit when they don't have wraps on. And they don't really have anything. There, there's no other way to get to depth other than push your knees forward and to sit in there for like a narrow stand squatter. So I don't know. That's what it did look like to me was that he didn't have wraps on, but he has something under a singlet. And actually, if what turns me, what what gets gets my attention on that is you can see in some of the videos he has you know, the old school, like, Inzer Matman singlet with the double white striped legs, but you could see some black stuff sticking out at times when he's moving through the squat. Hmm. So I think it's like a Z-suit or something in there. Yeah, but they, but didn't, they just didn't catch other- on until, like, after the bench, so he had enough time to probably dispose of it or do something with it, so they never caught it. Yeah, yeah. So I think the main thing was once they, that they found the band, he was out either way. I don't think they've ever... I don't, maybe you're right. Maybe they never saw what was actually under a singlet, but 
Uh, if he's doing that on the bench, he's probably doing the squat too. And the squat was, it was a weird looking squat. The the funny thing is that like all the raw lifters jump all over this. And like, I saw a bunch of YouTube videos and it's like talking about like, oh, well, this is completely legal and equipped powerlifting, but it's not raw. I'm like, no, bro, we don't wear bands under our t-shirts. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and, and a lot of videos were saying like lifting vault and a lot of like popular YouTube pages were like, oh, he had a slingshot under a shirt. I'm like, and that's allowed and slingshots are allowed and equipped. I'm like, no and no. Like a lot of people just rush to make videos on it and just like talk shit about the guy. But like, I really want to know, like, you know, we want to know the details, the juicy shit of w- what this guy is actually doing, how long he's been doing it and whatnot. So either way, the French fed came out and made a statement immediately that he's suspended and that's that. But I don't know, maybe he's suspended for life. I was joking around. Like you could fail a drug test and come back. But I don't think you can come back from this. Yeah, this is this is tough. And you could do a much better job of hiding it, you know? Like, if you just got, like, the Inzer singlet with the longer legs, you could have put a TRX on under that thing. We wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't know. His legs are so short already. It's... The juice ain't worth the squeeze here, buddy. Just a squat 255. Also, just to win like the M1s, but it's funny. I think the guy who would have got second bombed out. Yeah. And so the guy who who was projected to get third won. And like when he was getting his medal, he did like that third place champagne spray thing. I thought that was really funny because like he like what a funny fucking day if you're lifting in that flight and you find out like the guy who you thought you were losing to is just fucking cheating the whole time. Yeah. It's like you find out Kono's got one underneath it. It's like you're in. <laughs> nah, dude, that, that's why equipped. Honestly, it always that's why equipped is the best, man. We're just straight up about this shit, you know? Yeah. The tighter the better. But but Scott, like from your perspective, like I think the most per- surprising thing to me is that like the TC never caught on to like the rushing part of it and rushing through the through the TC. Like, is should that even be allowed? Uh, normally the there's at least a supposed to there's supposed to be a moment where you inspect before you inspect the lifter before they're allowed to come out but what uh, the unfortunate reality is sometimes in most meets you find the the tc they're on their feet all day it's arguably the worst refereeing job in a session and they may not be doing their full due diligence and in actually inspecting the lifter they're just like my arm is out until the bar is called loaded and then i let them go so but wouldn't wouldn't that perk your attention if a lifter was rushing to the platform in a raw, in the raw division multiple times? Oh, yeah, times? of course. Anybody running at a powerlifting meet would get my attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have been on this guy like immediately. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even like an I'm not even a high level referee. I'm just a state level referee. But I would have caught this immediately. And people were disappointed. The IPF never officially caught this guy. It was the other competitors and their coaches who were like, "Something's up. We need to scope this guy out." You know? Yeah. It's another example. There's a million lifters going through, and the referees sometimes get lulled into complacency. And you hope that nobody would try to do something like this, but. Yeah. Also, don't you think that I was thinking like the head judge should have been able to hear it. You know, all that stuff makes no, makes noise and then snapping and yeah. Yeah. It's sliding. And it must not have been. That's the part. That's the part I love about equip meets is like when everybody's quiet during like the descent on a squat, you just hear 
the crapping and the crackling. Yeah. I think that's the best, dude. <laughs> like, is that the wraps or their body? It's both. Must not have been that tight, you know? No, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, if you like, if it's not even get anything out of it, try to do this, like, we, we could get a lot more carryover out of this. Like, it was very sloppy. You could, you could have done this and not been caught. I mean, yeah, I think I could get like 20, 30 keys out of a band yeah. easily. Easily. So what was that what was that other recent controversial thing with the kid the kid with the knee wraps under his sleeves? That he, was a Russian That was a like, Russian kid, right? Yeah. Meet. Yeah. And that the head judge was just like, yo, your knees look mad thick. Like roll down your knee sleeves. And he did. And then and the kid just stood there. He didn't even say anything. He was like, Oh, well. Yeah. He made him and do then, it on the platform in front of God and everybody. Like, yeah, there was like a good live stream for that too. It was pretty funny. And the kid was squatting like 200 keys out of a yeah. mono. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like Russian big money mono meets, like the ones but, that your Vulcan does with like the metal band yeah. right behind it. There was something similar though, actually. Uh, the Raw Collegiate Cup to, in 2019. Do you remember this, Scott? Where there was like a lifter from like Tunisia or like somewhere. It was like a newer oh, yeah. member nation. And, you know, she just came out looking super fluffy. And so immediately everybody was, was like, like, what a, is going on? Hips. It was really weird looking. Well, she had a loose squat suit underneath her singlet mm-hmm. at the Raw Collegiate Cup. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. that I kind of blamed on. That's just a kid. Um, and it was like a new, and, and we talked about this Bavel, like how they just let, if you're a new member nation, they just let you fucking in the meet with no credentials, no prior mm-hmm. experience. So mistakes happen. There's a lot of failed drug tests from those countries. And then shit like that happens where they're wearing gear under their singlets and they probably, you know, they might've known the rules, but someone might've told them like, you know, you could slide it or, you know, I don't, who knows, but um that happened but this just seems like this guy's a grown man 41 yeah, years old 40. yeah you know so no, excuse. no excuses for this guy this guy sucks so hopefully we don't see this guy again is this shit gonna just keep happening is it just nature is it just the nature of powerlifting? you know people want to push the bounds i think it's funny because i was thinking about like this is how like gear got invented like people you know i've heard old stories about people cutting tennis balls in half and and putting them behind their knees and shit and then someone's like well we'll just let you guys wear knee wraps and so someone started making knee wraps and then you know same thing with with other things like people are trying to find an advantage like you know like people were wearing like eight t-shirts or something when they bench (laughs) shit like that so i've heard all these legends from you know, the old school lifters that, you know, a lot of lifters now don't have never talked to those guys and they don't know like the shit that we know, even from talking to like Eric Copperstein in the gym, you know? Um, but yeah, that's how this shit started. And it's funny. Cause we always said, I've always said like powerlifting will come full circle. Like when the raw lifters are, are taking like a half hour to get their knee sleeves on, they need help getting their knee sleeves off. And then people are, they're coming out with performance singlets that are kind of thick and, you know, give you some carryover and shit like that. Like, this is what people were doing 40 years ago. And that's why we just said, fuck it. Let's just do single ply. And that's why for 25 years, the IPF offered only single ply. Um, but now shit's going back again. And I'm sure this, this guy got caught, but I'm sure he's not the only one or the first one to ever do this shit. There's probably people who got away with it. We'll never know. 
I remember there was like a 600 pound bench at one of those backyard super training meets by that guy, Brandon Lilly. You remember that guy, Babel? Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. Remember. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah, and it looked, it looked very much like he had a blast shirt on under his singlet. I mean, under his t shirt and singlet. And no one, no one, people called him out for it, but no one ever got clarity on that. And then there was also the Dave Hoff thing. Yeah. With there's, the boards. there's like so many infamous, you know, these are the things people like, dude. These, this is the fun shit, you know? Like, people pop, it's like, ah, oh, that sucks. But people try to cheat with gear, yeah. it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> but, like, a lot of it, you know, you never get, like, no one unequivocally knows what Dave Hoff did or what was under his shirt or if anything was under his shirt. No one unequivocally knows if Brandon Lilly had a bench shirt on when he benched 600 that day. But that's why I think this one was really cool because – there was like a video of the guy getting chased down. There was a picture of the band he had under his shirt. And there was like a pretty good live stream where you can tell something was going on. So I think powerlifting's changing and it's going to be harder and harder for this just to happen. Like there's, there's not as many backyard meets anymore. Even local USAPL meets now have really good streams. Mm. Well, the showdown was kind of like a back backyard meet. <laughs> well, yeah, that's where shit's going to go on. <laughs> so that's why those lifts. But I, I just think... It's really funny that you could there's there's a lot better chance you can just like take testosterone and never get drug tested in the IPF than wear a band under your shirt. I don't know what's worse, honestly. Also, you could fail a drug test and come back in six months. But I don't think this guy's ever gonna be back. Yeah. <laughs> so. So that's my final thought on it is I think, I think we need better drug testing and then better TCs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a tough job. Yeah, man. I, I, don't, I don't volunteer to do shit. Not my style. No. But anyway, no. the showdown happened as well the day after we recorded the podcast. So we immediately had content, but not the type of content we thought it would be. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Well, like, so like, John Hack total a thousand point five, mm-hmm. and then everybody was super hype, and he kind of seemed like the only lifter who did well to me. Mm-hmm. Where like, there were you know at the last like whatever meet these like they whatever meet these guys do. What was the last one? The uh, the Kern. Kern seemed like a lot of people balled out like Blake and. Chad Penson and kind of the ones you wanted to do well, um, Dan Bell and John Hack, they kind of like fell short, missed a couple deadlifts, and everybody was disappointed. And there are some new faces. This one, it was like John Hack crushed it, and everybody else kind of cut too much weight, went four for nine, and and that was it. So it was kind of like a shit meet. And um, <clears throat> you know, like so everybody's pumped about John Hack's total. It was pretty awesome. Dude's lifts are super clean. One thing I noticed and I like is like these guys are doing a raw with sleeves meat and they're squatting out of a mono. Like that's just kind of soft. Like if you're all about raw with sleeves, like just walk the squat out. So like John hacks a boss and walks the squat out, walks it back in. But like, I don't know. They, if you're going to do a walked out sleeve meat, you just have a fucking a, a, a combo rack. Or no, it's, rack. So, it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyway. with these guys lifting, you know. <laughs> There's probably a lot That's more valid. dumped bars. Yeah, I mean, look, look what happened to old uh, 
Dan Bell trying to spot out of there, you know? Because all, all, all these guys are cutting 20 pounds. They're dehydrated on, like, Lasix, and their fucking quads yeah. all snap off, especially when their squat bar is five, key, five pounds, whatever, misloaded. Well, either way, <laughs> I, I just noticed that, and I wanted to say because I'm like, if you're really that much of a th- – these guys, they just contradict themselves. They want to compete raw with sleeves, but they want to be untested and use a mono. It just – it doesn't make sense. Like, their principles are all mixed up. You know, like it just, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so, you know, everybody's excited about John Hack's day. And then like 24 hours later, he posts that he actually told a thousand five point five because the bar was misloaded, but not just his squat, his entire flight, which I think was 90 kilos and down. Mm-hmm. Because then like, you know, Joe Sullivan was like, oh, I squatted 380. Did I really squat 385? Like, I don't know. But it turns out he didn't, that they... I don't know, I guess followed the loading chart, but it's kind of weird to me that that happened because I think these guys all train on a squat bar. And so don't you think your coach or you know what your weight looks like when you call it like John hacks training with a squat bar and I'm assuming and uh kilo plates. I mean, and a lot of these guys are just training with the comp equipment. They don't notice what the bar is supposed to look like. Man, uh, what I mean, one thing I've noticed about these other organizations is, like, I've been to a meet and the entire warm-up room was nothing but blues. Like, they didn't use reds. They used blues because the math was easier. <laughs> yeah. So, who, who knows? Yeah, or when, like, Ian tried to help load Jimmy's bench yeah. and, like, they were like, oh, you, no, 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 that's that's insane, yeah. no. That was, a, <laughs> that was a 25 kilo bar too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why that was what was screwing them up, and then the chips, and whatever. They're not used to like eleven hundred pounds or whatever. <laughs> I don't know why they need a twenty-five kilo bar when like people have squatted eleven hundred pounds on a twenty kilo bar, and a twenty-five kilo bar and bench. Like, I don't, well, actually, these guys are those guys were trying to load up like thirteen hundred on that day. But like for a raw meat, do you need that stuff? I don't think so. That stuff was invented for like. Donnie Thompson and Dave Hoff and the guys trying to squat 1300, not guys squatting 700 pounds. Like it, it just, whatever. I, I don't get why you need the 25 kilo bar, but then they misload the whole flight. And like, I just think that's fucked up. Like I said to you guys, like, you know, the devil inside me wishes he missed his third squat, not because I want to see him miss like that totally sounds bad, but because he would have, well, actually, no. I didn't even. I didn't think think of it this way. The squat is whatever. If he missed his third deadlift and he was going to chip that world record total, but he had five kilos too much and he didn't know it and he barely missed that deadlift, that's kind of scenario I wish I saw happen because what would they do? Like, you can't do anything about it and it's just shitty and it would have looked so bad. Like, thank you know, they, they better, the organizer that meet should be thanking God that he made it. And it's actually just his world records, five keys higher. So he missed it. The whole thing is a sham. Like you, you know, you're fucking over the lifters. They don't even, you know, they're missing out on world record attempts because you don't know how to load a bar. Yeah. It's just a lot of, a lot of details, man. Powerlifting meets are just nothing but a ass ton of little bitty details. Supposedly he like, Fucked up his quads or something on his last squat too. Five kilos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that that flight was like ninety kilos and lighter. So you know you gotta think you have like some one sixty five lifters and one forty eight lifters. Five keys on your third attempt squat. You 
you think it's in relation to what you know about yourself from your training cycle and it's not and it could fuck you up you know so i just feel like and it feels like it was glossed over like people don't want to admit how bad it was like you know oh well john hacks okay it's a big deal but like i bet if you go through the meat attempt you can find some places where it really affected people Um, yeah i don't know if it was glossed over i mean i don't know where people would be talking about it but i think I think I saw some comments and shit about it and uh people were shitting on shitting on pretty good. It might have been in I mean, certain I'm reading posts. Reddit right yeah. now and they're just they're shitting on the stream. Yeah. I didn't watch the stream. Hey, oh, I didn't fucking watch the stream. So I know you I know you're like IPF purist in the sense of equipment and the monos and the twenty five kilo squat bars, but Joe do you think that you, like you would do any better with a squat bar or do you think it would be the same for you? <clears throat> I don't think the 20 kilo bars ever affected a lift that I took even over a thousand. Yeah. The, like the whip and like stabilizing on the walkout or anything like that. I felt whip before, but I felt like I didn't, um, it didn't affect me. Like I was just able to stabilize it when I stopped walking. Yeah. And uh I just feel like I actually had have touched uh one of the squat bars before and put it on my back. I don't like the way that it feels. It's so thick. I just think it's yeah. not. And I was actually at an RPS meet and I was like, yo, I can't believe they make one hundred pound girls take this bar out of the monolift. This this these bars are bigger than their spines. Like it must be so uncomfortable. You know, I just think it's it's a dumb bar. Unless you're in you know, all for multiply guys, those that are left, let them have it. But yeah. I don't like the way the bar feels. I'm sure I could figure out through training, but I, I don't like the circumference of the bar either. Or the mm-hmm. di- the diameter on my back. Hey, I think it's something you just get used to. And then, I mean, I've heard people that love squatting on that Megalodon big son of a bitch. I'm sure I would like the extra length. I'd put my arms just fucking straight out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could probably get used to the feel of it, but it probably feels foreign at first if you're used to like a normal bar. Sure. Yeah, like, I'll admit that. I'd probably get used to it, but I don't know. I, I just don't see the need for it. Like there's there's been plenty of people who squat over a thousand pounds on a twenty kilo bar. And you know, I, I just don't think that what they think is happening is really happening, like the added value of having the bar. It's just, yeah, it's just something weird about using different bars. It starts feeling more like strongman where you're like doing different implements. Well, yeah, they have a different bar for each lift. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's, it's a logistical nightmare. And I've always thought about how the fuck they run meets when uh, you got to bring monoliths in for the warm-up area. That must suck. Then you got to bring three different bars in for each warm-up platform and the comp <laughs> platform. Well, what they do is they it's a, any size meat that's large they'll just run like five flights and then like everybody's on squatting and then it's like put this on a trailer and get it out of here <laughs> so like eight like old school like i started off in the apf whenever i was 15. did a couple apf national meets and oh, i've seen the videos yeah you'd start at you know 9 a.m and you would finish at 9 p.m they would just run these huge flights through and so they didn't have to do war- multiple warm-ups? Like- yeah, you didn't have to move like the mono in and out and all that stuff. It was just one big, huge thing. Yeah. Man, they must really love powerlifting. Yeah. Doing all that work. I, yeah, so 
you know, another big criticism of the meet, which is, um, was the streaming. So apparently the streaming had no, no indications of what the lifter was lifting, where the placings were, like who was, uh, it was just like a video feed and it was choppy, you know, no graphics of what was going on. Like, I think we were kind of spoiled. We're, we're starting to get used to like the, um, you know, the, the constant, you know, the graphics, you know, Scott Dobbs is up 400 kilos, second attempt. Like it just, it just makes sense when you're watching it to have that stuff up and it's professional where what I'm reading about the showdown is, and what I've seen is that it was just complete shit show. And that's not even that hard to do now with modern technology stuff. Like even like lifting cast, like, like I'm, I'm, almost positive that they could use lifting cast for this for the showdown you can change the bar weight to 25 for squats and then change it back for bench so the loading and math is right you just drop this thing and it's super easy yeah so i don't know and then i also saw our buddy eric cordero posting about you know post a picture of the setup and it was just kind of like three banners and two smoke machines and it was like you know, this is supposed to be like the biggest raw meat ever. And it's in a CrossFit gym with three banners and the smoke machines really aren't that cool. So like, you know, when, when uh, other federations are running meets with, you know, LED screens and, you know, all these kind of cool lights and up lighting and, you know, crazy stuff going on, even the, the like, you know, weird guy in Virginia can pull it off. You know, why can't these big money raw meats pull it off? You know what I'm saying? And, and my thought on that is like, you know, months out, I, I just think the showdown was a huge flop overall. Like John Hack won 10 grand, like big deal, right? Like I'm sure he doesn't even care. Um, the Kern had more money. I think the Kern was cooler, but even then like the lights were going out, the sound was going out. It was just not great. The stream wasn't great either. But like these big money meets, like, you know, like, I just thought the the showdown was a flop because there's all this talk like, oh, Ashkin Rushka is doing it. Sean Ariga is doing it. You know, so-and-so is doing it. Um, Deadlift Lord's doing it. Like all these guys, Danielle Mel is doing it. Was it this huge crossover meet that changed the course of powerlifting? Absolutely not. It was just a backyard meet in a CrossFit gym with smoke machines. And I think that's the funniest thing because it was billed a few months ago as like, this is going to change powerlifting. You know, uh, people are gonna come cross over. They're gonna compete where the competition is. Like people saying all this stupid shit, and it wasn't even close to come, to to coming true. Yeah, it was a big letdown, to say the least. Yeah. You know, so like, I don't know, man. I, I didn't even see one person that crossed over, and and the the USAPL suspended from the IPF for twelve months, and they couldn't even get one lifter one big profile lifter to cross over and do the meet. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, I think we thought Ashton was doing it, but quickly found out he wasn't doing it. Even some of the lifters, the USPA lifters and dudes there, they just like decided not to do it. Dudes that were on the roster that, you know, I kind of pay attention to and I realized, oh, they, they, they didn't do the meet either. So it just seemed like it was kind of a big, big farce. It was just a, just, just a local meet really to be honest. But Scott doesn't want to talk about it anymore. We can we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I forgot I forgot Scott said he he didn't want to shit on it. I mean, you so did I a just, pretty good job just, you know, 
expressing your opinion. I, yeah, I just sit here and spew it out, dude. You know, it's like every meat in the world has, uh, you know, DRL, so we got to be careful. Yeah. Everybody tunes in just to hear you, Joe. I'll tell you, the, the DRL, the, that shit looked good in the background. Yeah, that wasn't even the new one yet. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Yeah. Was it 3.0 now is out? Yeah, Gen 3. You want to sponsor the podcast? Yeah, I'll throw some white lights up every time. <laughs> <All right>. Yeah, <laughs> send, send, send Joe a roadie caster. <laughs> yeah, send some cash. No, I, um, I'm out, man. I'm out of stock. The uh, you're out of stock on cash, um, no, on, on units, so no more gotcha. cash. Gotcha. The next thing we want to talk about, I think, is a funny one because it's just something that you know, Dmitry Spiridonov has been posting incessantly from Worlds, and a lot of it he's praising the winners, and I like it. Like you know, he he's got some good stuff to say about Dave Ricks. Um, Good stuff to say about whoever wins their weight class. Good stuff to say about John Hack. But then, you know, there's stuff about this French guy that we talked about. And then there was, it's another, it's kind of tied into what I think about the French team is that he, you know, ROC, Russian Olympic Committee, had some uh, junior lifter. And, you know, I don't really know specifics. It looks like, you know, he's kind of like a, a 93 kilo lifter or something like that, a young kid squatting around. Um, you know, like 540 pounds or something like that. He takes the bar out. It, it looks pretty normal. Let's see if I can share my screen. Yeah, I mean, I it was low bar, but it wasn't like the craziest shit you ever saw, but it was it was, it was good low bar. It was a bar. standard powerlifting squat, and they re-rack, the, the head judge gets out of the chair, re-racks him, tells him to put it high on his shoulders. He takes out again. They They replace the bar again. And, you know, this is a good thing about Raws. You can get out to the platform early unless you're cheating. And, uh, you know, he actually had time to walk it out three times, which I don't think would ever happen in a quit meet. But he gets it out the third time, gets a squat command, and then he squats it. And it, he squats it deep and clean, but he gets three red lights. And apparently it was for having the bar too low on his back. And then in comparison... You know, in like the, the 105 or 120 class, a junior lifter, a French guy, he comes out, he puts the bar like in his fucking elbows, walks it out, gets the squat command, and gets the lift two to one. No problem, no commotion. Obviously, it's a different session, different set of referees and everything. Um, and it was a big squat too. It was like 307, you know, for like a junior lifter. And he looks like a 105. So Dimitri has these videos side by side uh, on his Instagram feed, uh, Dimitri.Spirdenov. And he has about, you know, 16,000 followers. If you want to go check out some of his stuff from Worlds, it's pretty interesting. But he's pretty mad. Like, why is a Russian team not allowed to do a normal-ass low bar squat? And this French guy is, is doing this, like, squat where the bar is in his fucking, you know, on his erectors in the middle of his back. And no one says a damn thing. And I'll just, I don't know, Scott, I want you to talk about what the actual rules are. But I'll just start off by saying is the IPF has a lot of influence um, at the executive level from French people and people of French descent, okay? Luxembourg is a neighbor of France, and, and one of their languages is French. And it might even be their main language might be French. 
Um, not sure. I was even there, but people spoke spoke French, German, and English. And um, you know, so I'll say that about the IPF leadership. It's very influenced by um, France, and so sometimes those countries that are in with the leadership of the IPF, no one's going to say shit to them. So I don't think anybody was going to bother that kid who was squatting with the bar down his back. ROC, though, you know, maybe they're on the outs, like the uh, USVI and USAPL lifters, you know, so maybe they just wanted to give, you know, it kind of sucks because I'm sure this kid had never done anything in his life to offend anybody at the IPF. He just looked like a young kid trying to lift. Um, but maybe they wanted to mess with the coaches a little bit, give them a hard time at the expense of the lifter, and that kind of sucks. But I'm curious, Scott, about what you think about the actual rules of this. Yeah, so the exact verbiage on this is the bar shall be held horizontally across the shoulders. That's the sentence regarding bar placement on the squat. And I've actually met older referees that have done this very same thing before. And it origin in in their thought process is is whenever you have the bar that low on your back, you have to rotate your torso forward for it to not fall off your back, right? And so they deem that to not be a valid start position, right? It would be like taking out a bench with your elbows half bent or something. Like they do not think it's an acceptable start position because the lifter is bent over more than they would like. So it's a highly subjective thing. Um, in order for this to happen, at least two out of three of the referees had to think that, right? Yeah. And so it, it really boils down to like, what is your definition of the shoulder and what is your definition of like upright and ready, like a good start position. And for two out of three of these referees, this kid didn't cut it. And I guarantee there were different referees on the other session where that one lifter was shown to actually be squatting with a lower bar than this poor Russian kid and got away with it. Not that I think it's actually anything bad. It's just a discrepancy in refereeing people. It's nothing new. That's when you go to the jury and you raise hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird because, you know, years ago I used to fucking, you know, bang my pots and pans together about this. I used to, you know, and there's no secret that I, I was finding, trying to find ways to, to beat Blaine for a long yeah. time. And I used to say to the referees in USAPL, I don't think he should get a, a squat command ever. And I'm not... I'm not here to discredit any of Blaine's lists now, but when this is like in 2014 and I'm a little shithead and I'm trying to gain advantages and I'm like, his bar is so low. He never stands upright at all. Okay. So I don't call that a squat. And, but you know, as time went on, powerlifting got more popular. A lot more people started adopting that tile, that style of squat. And it just became yeah. people actually call low bar squat. Like, Oh, well that's just a powerlifting squat. Well, like, I don't know, the three of us here, we don't squat like that. Um, but a lot of people do. And I think that's why you kind of see the rise of like, there's these kids who don't even look like they freaking lift and they're able to like, they're super flexible. They're able to sumo deadlift a shit ton. They're able to low bar squat a shit ton because the ROM is shorter. The torso leans crazy. It's not even a squat. Um, so like, I think it, in my perfect world, this shit would end. And we would stop letting people fucking like low bar squat like crazy. But, you know, where, where does it end? Where's the line? I don't know. Like, so it's either how it is now and you're allowed to put the bar wherever you want as long as it's deemed safe and it doesn't roll on your back. Cause I know there is a rule about rolling on your back. 
but um you know or they just have to say everybody has to fucking squat with the bar above their fucking rhomboids i don't know like i have no idea last time i tried to get cute with placement of things they got rid of it in the belly benching rule trying to deem you had to touch it the xiphoid process and it didn't translate yeah they have to get rid of really subjective rules you know yeah I mean, the lady that it looks like the chief referee for this kid is a cat one ref, which is the highest ranking referee you can possibly be and immediately comes over. But I have met one lifter out of Russia that spoke any English and competing in the IPO for almost a decade now. And I guarantee this kid had no idea what she was saying. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, that blows. But yeah. I don't know. That, that's just kind of what I think about it. Yeah, he did the same exact thing yeah. and ended up getting a command. But, like, I don't know. I, I think I'll always, like, I shit on a lot of raw lifters. I'll be like, oh, this kid isn't even strong, but they're, they're, they're moving a shit ton of weight. Like, that's what I mean. Like, they're finding ways to, to win at powerlifting, which is great, but they're not actually strong. Like, like, none of the strength would cross over from these, like, sumo deadlifts and these super low bar squats. It's just... I, I hate to say tricks because they are moving a barbell, but it, it really is like a, it's really technical and like based on a lot more things than power, you know, and it is, you know, it sucks because it's powerful. So I've always thought that way about this shit, but I've come to accept it. And, you know, and plus a lot of people don't even compete equipped anymore. So it's like a lot of these people are in the raw anyway. So I don't give a shit what they do, but you know, I thought of Blaine immediately with the low bar squatting and kind of, you walk out, set your feet, try and get the squat command, but sometimes you're just you're at a 15 degree angle, you know. Yeah. So it really depends who the judges are. Yeah, 100. percent I mean, that's why the jury's there. You go, you go argue the case. Most people don't know what those guys do over there. Just sit on their phone and eat candy, and they have a job. Yeah, I would like to know more information on that one, but again, we're reading translated Instagram posts for our information. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty clear what happened and <clears throat> what the issue was. It's just a very subjective ruling. And two out of three of the ref, if two out of three of the referees keep their hands up, that lifter doesn't get a squat command. Yeah, that's it. Well, there was there was some more kind of like more stuff that was related to this uh, this kind of subjective rules. There was some lifter who broke a world record bench, right? But it didn't even look like the bar had moved by the time it was all over. I think that's way, I think that's way more problematic than low bar squatting. I think like if you can low bar squat a lot of weight, you you're somewhat strong. Okay. I mean, you're supporting it with your core. You're not letting it crush you and you're standing up with it, you know, but the bench ROM thing, you, you know, that, that shit's crazy. Like if it's literally like one inch, I think that that's like. You no, know, I actually just looked at this kid's video and the lights popped up. They called him for depth. You think that's what they called him for? Every three, every single referee threw a red card, which is depth on the squat. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. I just think did. they were throwing the wrong card. There's no way that was an actual depth call. Or maybe just okay. Dimitri, Dimitri didn't know. Sorry, I just saw that, and I, I didn't see it before. But, yeah, Ben Trump. No, it's all good. But there was, uh, you know, just world record bench. And I don't remember the lifter, but it was – I don't even think she bent her elbows. And there's no rule limiting 
um, bench ROM in the IPF at all. And then actually we were talking about this in like the group chat. Then Luis sent me or sent us a USAPL lifter, Caitlin Berry. And you know, I don't care. I don't say it by name. It's, it's not a problem. She got fourth at raw nationals. Um, she's a young lifter. Like, uh, she's at Midland and, um, she doesn't, I can't explain it right. Like how she does it. If you want to look it up on Instagram, it's CAT 57 KG. And, uh, she recently just posted, a a bench double of 125.5 kilos and that's 10 more kilos than she benched at raw nationals a few months ago. But like, I wouldn't even call us a bench. The, the, just kind of like the shoulders rotate forward and then she pops it back up. She, I don't think she ever bends her elbows. It's pretty crazy. So, and I do remember a few years ago, Scott, there was some talk of a 10, uh, they were going to make a, a subjective rule that the head judge had to believe that the range of motion was 10 centimeters or more for a bench to be valid. And I think that failed at a, right at place. a Congress. That's 10, 10 centimeters is terribly unenforceable. What's that meant? That's like five, in, three it's like, inches. It's like four or five. In, that's like four or five inches. Yeah. I mean, I think that'd be fair. I'd like to see something done. Powerlifting, I don't know. People are concerned about the watchability of powerlifting or the legitimacy of powerlifting and powerlifting records. And these can't be the bench world records. They're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just sucks, man. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't love it, man. All it says is that the bar has to be lowered to the chest. It doesn't That's say it. how. They're going to be. Yeah, I guess, man. I just want to talk about it. When we talk about this feel. shit. We talk about this shit all the time. It's just like it, shit doesn't change. It's just like people figure out ways to fucking figure out ways around the rules to, 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 get, to get the most pounds on and not break any rules. Just like people didn't always sumo squat, right? Sumo deadlift? Sumo deadlifts or sumo squat. I'm saying wide stance squats. Did they always, you know, in powerlifting when it first started, many, many more people were like high bar, narrow stance, right? Yeah, an Olympic style. Olympic style. As to grass. And then slowly evolved. I mean, rules are rules the modern power lifter looks like uh you know the the french panache guy <laughs> you know yeah. that's that's what the modern power lifter looks like after all this shit i think that's what's hard for me to get used to these like well, wiry kids i mean russ wall strong russ wall is you know yeah that's what we want power lifters to look like we want we want power lifters to look like chads Conventional. I want my powerlifting powerlifters to look like Mendy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. but I was thinking, it's like I, you know, I was thinking this to myself as I was watching like some of the stuff that was going on. Like, it's really become a short man sport, and that's that's oh, what it's, it's been a short man sport, dude. No, Except not that's with, with the exception no. of your class. Look at Ed Cohen and Gene Bell. Yeah. Right. Look at look at Beachkov. Yeah, Who's I like guess. I, yeah, Wade Hooper. I guess yeah. a lot of the heroes of, of even the heroes that I loved were yeah. short. 
you know. Super heavyweight, it goes out the window because you have to have the frame to support the body weight. But, yeah. These aren't giants. Yeah, though. I don't know. And then I think about, like, Brad Gillingham and all the years that he was, you know, he was Super one of the greats. And Yeah. But he was he was tall, tall. I don't know. There's just something more aesthetically pleasing to me about someone conventional deadlifting, you know, a huge weight and the veins popping out of their face and it's like a three foot ROM or like, you know, someone really, you know, really squatting a bar and not like yeah. just a leaned over, like Lane Norton, press your body together and then good morning. You know, it, it just doesn't, or like someone really, you know, like James Henderson benching 700 pounds versus, you know, Sean Noriega benching 500 pounds, but like for two inches. That it's just, it's just not cool to me. Yeah, the the cool thing you're describing is strong man. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's huge, to pick the wrong sport. Things pretty far because they're huge. Yeah, I mean it's style points. You get style points, but I'll say yeah, this. I I think the fifth place super heavyweight is far more impressive to the average person than the top 83 or 74 well I, I guess it's funny with the internet like i like when when i used i've done big meets in the past and and still like you know the crowds would like show up for the super heavyweight session all the time because they want to see something crazy happen like <laughs> you know someone dump a bar or or try a thousand pounds or some shit or like just see the biggest weights lifted so you know, we the supers we we always just talk about like oh the people are here to watch us or whatever we would fuck around and joke around. But with social media, it's kind of different. People are now, you know, you could be five two, and if you're lean and you could like sumo pull seven hundred pounds, you can have twenty thousand followers and have a supplement code and whatnot. So I think social media is changing the game a little bit. Where people used to have to actually come out and watch the powerlifting live, and if you were going to pick a day to go to the meet, it was going to be the last day. You yeah, know? everybody goes to the circus to watch the elephants man yeah oh man just all this stuff going on it just racks my brain you know everybody should just lift equipped you just sounds so <laughs> i know yeah. i know this is what people used to tell me but all i was trying to do is lift equipped i, I don't know you know but <clears throat> as i was thinking about how it's become a short man's game you know i have a lot of time to think now that Babel doesn't live with me i just sit here and think all day <laughs> By myself and uh, i was thinking about how like people used to be like remember brett gibbs he was like the first short yeah. king i remember of the raw game i mean sure. he's mm -hmm. still he's still a great lifter uh, but That's um great. he did it equip man he respect. did equip but one of his main gripes is he, he couldn't get he couldn't get a ton of carryover he always struggled with that and i think a lot of people cross over you know they they struggle with that and uh and the, and the carryover and so it made me think is like why are the short kings, you know, not getting that carryover? And you know, they're always going to stay raw and just be the be the short kings, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I was thinking like my original theory was like it's really about the length of your levers, and you know how much how large your moment arms are. But I feel like that was a little too scientific, and you know, I would have to like do some measurements <laughs> and actually think about it, and like just too random. So I came up with this formula as like. If someone asked me how much carryover I'm going to get if I put a squat suit and wraps on right now, I'd say your raw squat plus your body weight, that's yeah. going to be your quip squat. That's and then I thought about it anecdotally, and I was like, that kind of works, dude. You know, because the smaller lifters, they get it. I used to say it's percentage-based, which maybe it is. 
because, you know, smaller lifters have smaller raw squats, you know, on average. So it, it's, I would say it's either percentage based on your raw squat to your geared squat or, you know, but I really thought about it. I was like, you know, the easy thing to just do is tell somebody that they can expect to get their body weight out of a suit and wraps. And then it's like kind of just quick, easy answer that makes sense to everybody. So that's going to start doing when people ask me about carryover. And, and it might also work for the bench shirt too, but you have to wear a really tight bench shirt to get your body weight. What did we do in our segment? What did we say? The factors were your squish and your balls. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was that it? <laughs> there was something else. How ripped out yeah. you are. I mean, when you're when you're bigger, you have levers more material on you to stretch. Like in a rubber band example, you have a longer rubber band, mm-hmm. so when you stretch it, you're gonna get more force out of it than the smaller. <clears throat> So you, the same thing, like Joe, whenever you shoehorn your big ass into that tight, that shirt, it's still much bigger than my shirt. There's more material in the energy storage sections of your shirt than there is in mine. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think I, it's a, about sizes, ener- up with body weight too. energy like, storage on the length, but also I think, you know, if you think about the curve of when it's stretching, I guess, yeah, it's, it's stretching for a longer period of time. And so you get more of the. I guess the reaction force coming back up for a, like a longer stroke as well. Yeah. I know there are all these like factors like, you know, ROM and shirt tightness and, and body composition and raw strength that come into play. And so there really is no way to predict it. But I would, I think that a way to just block all that out is to just give people this blanket answer. So that's my theory. Yeah. I'm not right. saying that body weight is the factor. I'm saying that, the, All right, Scott, to, let's do it for Scott. Yeah, do it for Scott. Let's not talk about my raw squat, guys. Come on. I'll talk about mine. Does it work for you, squat, Scott? All right. Yeah, I think it's pretty close. It's, it's difficult to validate because all I can really compare against is the best raw squat I've ever done with a training cycle, training it, and all that, and my best equipped one and trying to gauge, like, how did my raw warm-ups feel? compared to whenever I was peaking for a raw meat and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. but I, yeah, I think it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did 414 Daytona and my best raw squat I've ever tried is 310 two years ago in a meet just dicking around. Mm-hmm. But in Daytona, I probably, I was, I probably could have squatted, I don't know, like at least 285. Well, I did that 414 and I weigh 120. So somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. It's in the ballpark for sure. Yeah. It's all fucked up for me because I ain't really lifting. <laughs> I mean, I what I squat, I squatted like seven in gear, but it was in like a loose suit and it was like the first time I lifted in gear in a decade. Yeah, but, I, you fucked it up, but I think it works more than it doesn't work. Yeah, it's messed up for me. Because like I squat around, uh, my best raw squat was in a meet five years ago. I'm sure there were times where I could have squatted more, but, you know, take it, if I'm at a meet, I'm probably, you know, if I'm peaked for a geared meet, I'm probably squatting less raw. So my best raw squat after was after an equipped nationals was 305. And my best equipped squat is 462 and a half. So that's, I don't know, I'm not good at math. 157 and a half. I weigh about 165. So it's pretty close. Mm. Yeah. This may be a formula used for like top end gear carryover with technical mastery. Yeah. So, yeah. So I should be able to squat eight, you know, if I trained harder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
any grown man over 200 pounds should be able to squat eight in gear. Yeah. So yeah, it's just be yeah. Okay. And I think that's why, that's why equipped is a bigger man sport, you know, um, because more fun. there is, you know, it, you'll see that the lightweight classes, although I saw this in raw too, like, you know, Fetty, Fetty only had one competitor in the 59s open yeah. raw and the 66s are only five people and equipped is going to have way more at those lighter classes, which sometimes those vary. Like sometimes there's not like competitors, but for the bigger, you know, 120s and 120 pluses equipped, there, there are a lot of guys who do it because those are the people who take to the gear the best and get that automatic, like, Oh, I just added a hundred keys to my bench. I didn't even do anything. So yeah. I think, I think, I think the bigger men might tend to like equip lifting more. Mm-hmm. So body weight, Plus your best raw squat. That's that's the formula. That's my equation for for the estimation. I'm not saying body weight is the, is the factor. I'm just saying that that all your factors combine that your potent. Scott's probably right. Is you you can potentially add your body weight to your squat if you become a gear lifter. Hmm. It's good advertising, and it might be true with bench too. I mean, I'd argue that I've I've at my peak, I could bench like, you know, I had benched over 220, but really, you know, training for a meet, I've only really ever benched like 210 in a, during a equipped training cycle at my peak. And uh, I'd argue that if I wasn't such a fucking moron, I could bench over 360 or 370 in a shirt. So, you know, I could get 150 keys. Um, I got 150 based on my training in Daytona because I had a pec injury. I benched 190 in the gym and I benched 340 in the meet. So I'm pretty close to body weight. And and someone asked me who the biggest gear whore I ever knew was. And I don't know the kid personally, but the biggest gear whore I can ever remember is Kevin Yeager. Yeah. Yeah. He fucks up any equation. So he was about, a, he was, he was probably 130 keys and just competed at super. And he, yeah, he did 120, but I think his biggest bench came at 130 at the Arnold. He did like 392 and a half. And the most I've ever heard of him benching in Raw was about 190. Yeah. And that's, that might be a stretch. I watched him get stapled with 200 at Raw Worlds 2016. So he was getting 200 kilos out of yeah. a bench shirt. It was also um, like a size 40. 42. Weighing yeah. 130. Yeah. He's a. Yeah, he's like a trash bag full of water. Yeah, well, he's got the fluff, too. He's got that fluff. But I'm just saying, that can fluff. you think of anybody? So, like, I'm just saying, you could. There's no reason why you can't um, develop the technical mastery in a tight bencher to get to add your body weight to your bench press. Yeah. Like, what's yours, Scott? It's about that, man. I. Uh... Yeah, so you they, press 200 and, and, two, and 305. Or something like that. I pressed 205 as my best raw bench. My best equipped one is 305. But whenever I was training for a time, oh, you, you hit like a 312. Yeah, in training. Yeah, five in the meet. So yeah, it's 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 in the ballpark still. It's like 105 to 120 still. Yeah, yeah. And we're we're not peaked yet. We're not at our technical mastery for bench, Scott. I don't think we are. Now the bolt has more secrets to give. Me and you are we. Me and you have mastered our squat gear horror ishness, but the the bench can use some work. Yeah, we, there's there's more keys on the table on the bench. There's more keys. 
yeah man so i don't know man i think there's something to it um but i think it's a good way to explain gear to newer lifters or like if you're a lightweight female you know you can probably expect at most you can get you know 57 keys at you know if you're a 57 kilo lifter maybe you can add 55 keys to your lifts you know i don't know man i i think we yeah. as geared lifters we need to develop some type of messaging you know to get out there yeah the bench one works for me at least yeah you, you get a hundred? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, what's Luke? Yeah, you do. You do actually. Like, let's just say one eighty to two eighty to keep it easy. Even though maybe there was a time you could have benched one eighty five. Yeah, I benched like four fifteen. Like, yeah, I don't know. That June? was a pound plate. We don't know what pound that bar plates. Yeah, yeah, we don't know what that bar weighed. Yeah, just loaded five keys heavy. All right. Yeah, well, that's that's all the topics we had to cover, man. I thought, you know, we re- we really needed to get on here and talk about the master gear gate, the French guy. Yeah, is your cat French? Nah, he ain't French. No, he's from the mean streets of Roxbury. Good stuff. Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. All right. Well, uh. When are we doing the next one? Like in a week? Week. In a week. All right. Come up with a plan. All right. Later. All right, man. Later. Later, guys. See you, Scott.